Today was an important day in the Australian Parliament. Independent MP Andrew Wilkie brought a motion before the House in support of the release of Julian Assange from Belmarsh and an end to his prosecution by our powerful ally, the United States of America. Now, that motion was passed 86 to 42 in the Parliament with the government uh, supporting the motion. But while the support is welcome, next week Julian will be making the case for the right to appeal his extradition. Now, the extradition is based on espionage charges relating to material published by WikiLeaks in uh, 2010 revealing war crimes committed in Iraq and Afghanistan. It is the uh, first time that the Espionage Act has been used against a journalist and uh, these charges pose, of course, a, a threat internationally to press freedom. If found guilty, as you know, Julian will face up to 175 years in an American high-security prison, which is, of course, effectively a death sentence. Now, the UK courts initially refused the extradition to the USA on health grounds, but uh, that decision was overturned on appeal. Joining us to uh, explain the argument that will be made next week I'm pleased to welcome back barrister and human rights lawyer Jennifer Robinson. Jennifer has uh, been a part of Julian's legal team for many years. Jennifer, this really could be, uh, well, Julian's last stand, couldn't it? That's right. We're really at the sharp end of the case, Philip. This is his final appeal in the UK. We've already sought permission to appeal against the decision to extradite him. That was refused at the end of last year. This is actually a renewal application. And if it's refused, there are no further appeals in the UK. That means that he could be extradited to the United States. We are, of course, preparing a European Court of Human Rights application, but that would be an exceptional measure for the European Court to grant to protect him from extradition. So we really are in a serious situation where he could be extradited to the United States and soon. Will Julian be in the court? I'm not sure whether he'll be physically present in court. He's been very unwell, so whether or not he will appear by video link or in person is yet to be seen. But we are very concerned about his health and, of course, the prospect of potentially being extradited to the United States soon to prison conditions which the medical evidence shows would cause him cause his death is no small thing. Have you seen him uh, recently, Jennifer? I haven't seen him in the past few weeks, but I speak to him regularly and I do see him in prison regularly. And he's really unwell. Over Christmas, he had a terrible cold and cracked a rib, unfortunately. So he's been deeply uncomfortable. And obviously the prison conditions in Britain aren't ideal, but what what he would face if extradited to the United States is far worse. I was alarmed to hear reports that he would uh, rather commit suicide than be sent to the US. Well, it's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of medical evidence. So the psychiatric evidence that was before the court uh, showed that because of his particular mental health picture and the fact that he has been known with being on the spectrum of autism, means the prison conditions he would face and the, is the isolating prison conditions he would face, because of this is a national security case in the US, they're called Special Administrative Measures or SAMs, the darkest black hole of the prison system. 
the, the combination of these factors would cause his suicide. And that was the basis on which the judge initially refused his extradition. Listeners might remember that we actually won the case in 2021 on the grounds that it would be oppressive to extradite him. The only reason that they were able to extradite him in the end is because the US offered a conditional assurance. That means an assurance they wouldn't put him in those prison conditions unless he does something in the future to, to justify those conditions. And who decides? The intelligence services. Listeners might also remember that the intelligence services of the United States CIA had planned to kidnap and kill Julian Assange. So we're in an absurd situation where the British government has decided to extradite him to prison conditions, which will be at the behest of the intelligence agencies that were seeking to kill him, knowing that those prison conditions will cause his death. It's an absurd situation and one that's incredibly serious and should not be permitted to happen, frankly. Let us remind the listener that uh, Julian's been in Belmarsh for almost five years and, of course, locked away from the world effectively for more than 13. That's right. He's been under some form of restriction on his liberty since 2010, since I walked him into the police station in 2010. But it's these American charges that he faces, 175 years in a US prison for publications for which he's won the Walkley Award for Most Outstanding Contribution to Journalism and the Sydney Peace Prize. That's how ridiculous and outrageous this case is. And that's why it's so important that we are calling on the US government and that the Australian government is getting behind this to call on the US government to drop the case. It is crossing a new legal threshold for journalists. It's driving a wedge into the First Amendment and the protections that American journalists uh, thought that they had in the United States. States. We've seen the Washington Post and New York Times say that this case is criminalising public interest journalism practices that they've been engaging in for decades. So the case is very serious, not just for what it means for Julian and his health. I mean, his extradition, as his wife Stella Assange says, will mean his death. But what it also means for journalism in the US and around the world. How, how is Stella holding up? Stella is remarkable. I have such immense respect for her. She is um, parenting two children with her husband in prison, facing these prospects while advocating for him all over the world. And it's worth remembering Stella is a very private person. She kept her identity um, a secret for a long time and their relationship and the fact of their, that they have a family together a secret because of a concern to protect their privacy. But once Julian was arrested and taken into Belmarsh and couldn't speak for himself, she really felt that she had to come forward to advocate for him because because he couldn't do it for himself. And I really admire her for the for the ongoing advocacy she's doing. She's a very strong woman and, and someone who I have immense respect for. Her amazing tenacity and courage was on show on the program the, the last time we talked. Now, can you run through some of the arguments that uh, you, the legal team will be making next week? Next week, we'll be hearing arguments from our defence team about why this extradition should be barred, including the fact that this is a violation of freedom of expression, that it is a disproportionate interference with freedom of expression to protect purported national security, that Julian will not get a fair trial if, if extradited to the United States because he'll be put on trial before a jury in the Eastern District, which is made up of uh, intelligence services and former government contractors. Um, we also say that it's a violation of the UK-US treaty. So few people understand that the base of the extradition request between the US and the UK for Julian's extradition is based on the US-UK treaty, which prohibits the extradition of anyone for political offences. And Julian is being prosecuted under the Espionage Act, which is the typical 
internationally recognized political offense. So it's actually the US is acting in bad faith and unlawfully, we say, by trying to seek his extradition for a political offense when it's prohibited by the treaty. So we'll see these kinds of arguments, but very much speech and fair trial will will play heavily in the appeal arguments next week. I understand the US could uh, add charges which carry the death penalty and the UK does not extradite someone when death penalty is in play. The death penalty is a potential penalty under the legislation that he is being prosecuted under and that that will also be part of the argument before the court. If he wins the right to appeal, does that mean that uh, he'll have to spend even more time in uh, Belmarsh? That's correct. We've been unsuccessful in bail applications in the past to try to get him out of prison while we fight this case, which means Julian will remain in Belmarsh while we're continuing the appeal processes. It is incredibly frustrating as a lawyer that by exercising his right to protect himself from extradition, in circumstances where he's he faces these absurd charges that should never have been brought, and in the meantime, he has to remain in a high security prison. He's suffered so much already. He's been under some form of restriction on his liberty for 13 years. It's wrong that he remains in prison. And yet in order to protect him and exercise his rights, he's, he's going to be held in Belmarsh prison. And if we get permission to appeal, it's going to be at least another, it could be years and years in prison while this next appeal process takes place. And it's just not right. I'm talking to Jennifer Robinson. I don't quite see why they add insult to injury by denying bail. What What's the thought process there? The justification given by the prosecutor, prosecutor and the courts is that Julian sought asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy while facing the legal proceedings, and they use that to justify his ongoing detention. But the world, it's moved on a lot since then. He was trying to protect himself from US extradition. We're now in an extradition case. He's got family and children in the UK. There are so many reasons why he should be granted bail after all this time. It's completely disproportionate to continue to hold him in prison. And I'd like to see him look. The reality is is that we need a solution to this case. And that's why I've been saying consistently we, we will run through the legal process as lawyers and we will do our best to protect him through this legal process, but it's only keeping him in prison. What we need is a political resolution. This case is political. It requires a political resolution and a negotiated outcome to see him released from prison. This case should never have been brought and it should be dropped. Now, Jennifer, if he wins the right to appeal, could there be an opportunity to request bail then? There's always the opportunity to request bail or apply for bail. The problem is is that we've already had bail refused on numerous occasions. So the prospects of whether or not we'd be granted it are many say slim. That's why we continue to advocate for a, res- a political resolution for this case. If he wins permission for appeal, it is very unlikely he'll be granted bail and he'll be in prison for many more years. And that's also an unsatisfactory outcome, a better outcome than ending up in a US prison but still unsatisfactory. If he uh, is denied the right to appeal next week, could he be extradited uh, straight away, Jennifer? There is a risk that he could be extradited straight away as soon as, if we are unsuccessful, that the Home Secretary could order his extradition immediately. We will make an application to the European Court of Human Rights, but that application for provisional measures is only granted in exceptional cases. We hope that it would be in this case. 
but it remains to be seen. There's also some very unhelpful political discussion in the UK right now around the European Court jurisdiction and whether the UK should remain a party to the court and whether the UK would in fact comply with court decisions. And so we are very concerned about whether Julian's case will proceed before the European Court of Human Rights. So I think listeners need to understand how serious this situation is and how close we are to Julian being on a plane to the United States. Has the uh, the Home Secretary, uh, James, cleverly made any comments on the sign since he got the job? I haven't followed James Cleverly's comments since becoming Home Secretary. In the UK, the Home Secretary's discretion is rather limited at this point in the legal appeal process. This is why our focus has been on advocacy towards the United States and asking the United States to drop this. It's why we continue to try to work with the Australian government and call on the Australian government to do as much as they can to ask the United States to bring this case to a close. We should also remember that the Australian government has negotiated the release of Australians uh, from the United States in difficult and controversial cases before. We know that John Howard, as Prime Minister, negotiated the release of David Hicks, who faced terrorism charges and was in Guantanamo Bay. If Australia can can negotiate the release of someone in Guantanamo Bay, an Australian citizen in Guantanamo Bay, then surely we should be able to negotiate the release of an award-winning publisher and journalist who's facing prosecution for his journalism. Let's go back to the powers of the European Court of Human Rights. They're rarely applied, you say. For example, last year there were 63 provisional measures applications made to the European Court in cases involving deportation or extradition, and only one of those cases was granted. That was in relation to the Rwanda asylum seeker case. Um, For Australians, it was a a very high-profile case in the UK where the UK was seeking to effectively introduce Australian-style asylum seeker policies to remove asylum seekers to a third country, in this case Rwanda. The Supreme Court uh, lawyers appealed against it, and lost in the UK and sought provisional measures from the European Court, which were granted, which prevented the UK from being able to send those asylum seekers to Rwanda. That caused huge political controversy in the UK. And so there's a lot of controversy around the jurisdiction of the court and their ability to do this and the political appetite in the UK to continue to comply with it. So it's important that this is understand that if Julian loses, It is not a given that we will successfully get measures from the European Court to protect him from extradition. We will try, but we're not guaranteed to get them. You'd think that the European Court of Human Rights would be very receptive to the arguments about, uh, you know, freedom of expression, press freedom. We believe we have a strong case. Julian has a strong case. This case is incredibly dangerous from a free speech point of view. To impose a 175-year sentence on a journalist and publisher for publishing truthful information is is incredibly disproportionate and under European case law would be a violation of the European Convention of Human Rights. So we believe we have a strong free speech case. We also have a strong case under Article 3 in human and degrading treatment because, of course, the, the findings about the nature of the prison conditions he would face and the medical evidence about his health situation that the European, we believe the European court should be interested in this, but it remains to be seen. So we've just got to wait and see what the outcome will be. What noises are we hearing from the other side of, uh, the other side of politics in the UK? Has, uh, has Keir Starmer had anything to say? We haven't had 
a lot of public discussion in the UK about this case and the indications, frankly, haven't been great. But as I explained, the legal process in the UK and the legislation, the way it's drafted in the UK, leaves very little political discretion to the British government to stop this. Um, once the extradition procedure processes are in place, there is very little political discussion that was removed from the Act. Back historically, we saw, for example, Theresa May block extraditions because she had the discretion under the Extradition Act to prevent an extradition where there was a risk of serious violation of human rights. That discretion has since been removed from the Extradition Act, so we don't have it available to us to make those arguments in Julian's case. That's why I continually say, while it's important to continue our advocacy with the British government about the risk that this case poses to free speech in the UK to all media workers, journalists and editors. This case is really about the United States because ultimately, even if we're successful in the extradition case in the UK, that only protects Julian from extradition from the UK. He could, If he then travels, he could, be, he could be sought for extradition from any other country in the world, which is clearly an unsatisfactory outcome. The best possible outcome for him which is what we're pushing for, is that the US drops this case. And that's why we continually advocate to the Australian government to assist us, speak to the Americans to have this case dropped. Jennifer, we were discussing the uh, the many threats to uh, journalists around the world on the program last week. And I know that you're uh, currently working on the case of, uh, uh, of Jimmy Lay in Hong Kong. So the prosecution of Julian has a, an enormous impact on press freedom. It really does. Julian's case is setting a dangerous precedent for journalists and editors everywhere. Effectively, what the US is doing with this precedent is um, basically saying that any journalist anywhere in the world who publishes truthful information about the United States could be sought for extradition and prosecution in the United States. Now, that's a dangerous precedent uh, and what does that say to countries like Iran, to China, to Russia? We're already seeing cases in different parts of the world, not just my client Jimmy Lai, who's in prison facing treason and sedition charges for publishing truthful information and publishing particular perspectives on democracy in China. But look at Russia. We've got Evan Gerskovich, the, the Wall Street Journal journalist who is in, in prison facing espionage charges. And you've got uh, Secretary of State Blinken and the States and News Corp, Rupert Murdoch's media, out calling for his release, saying it's it's completely inappropriate that a journalist is in prison for espionage. And of course, the first answer that Russia offers, or countries like the like the President of Azerbaijan, when he's questioned about free speech, is to say, "Don't come and lecture us about free speech while Julian Assange is in your prison on those charges." So it diminishes the moral authority of the United States, of the UK, of Australia to speak about free speech when an Australian citizen is sitting in prison in the UK facing prosecution for espionage for doing journalism in the United States. Now, Jennifer, more than uh, 50 Australian parliamentarians calling for the release of uh, Julian and the government and the crossbenchers called on the USA to stop the prosecution. Albanese has said enough is enough. Well, that's, uh, shall we say, understating it by orders of magnitude. We are very grateful to the Prime Minister for his position, uh, for bringing for the Labor Party standing by that position in government and to continually call for Julian's release. We need the Australian government to do more and we need the Australian government to continue to push for his release. It is incredibly heartening for Julian in particular to see statements of support like we've seen from the Parliament today. This is important. It's signal to the United States that this is a, an issue, a democratic issue at home in Australia that this is going to, there is so much public support 
to bring Julian home. The government wants it, wants it done. We've seen Peter Dutton speak out in support of it. So it's actually been a bipartisan issue um, in the past. At the US government sees that this is a democratic issue and that they need to assist Australia to bring Julian home because it is going to be a democratic issue for our country. And that to me is this is the strongest position we've been in in a really long time. And it's important to show that and to show that support. So we're grateful to the Parliament for their work today. Julian has had all sorts of support Hello. from all sorts of uh, people, from uh, Barnaby Joyce to Oliver Stone to Heavens Above to Tucker Carlson. Does this sort of uh, support help? The range of people across political spectrums who have supported Julian shows that this issue cuts um, cuts every which way. Freedom of speech is an in-principle uh, position I think people from all political backgrounds can get and political um, views can get behind in terms of this is a case involving important principles of free speech. This is a case about journalists being able to publish the truth and to hold government account. This is about the public's right to know. And having support from all kinds of people from different political backgrounds shows just how important it is and it, and shows the public who have everybody, there's a plethora of political views, um, just how much support Julian has across the political aisle. I've been talking to uh, Jennifer Robinson, barrister, human rights lawyer, representing Julian Assange. Thanks, Jennifer. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.